Just as we begin, once again, my name's Joe Crummy, and I'm going to be speaking today. And just as we begin, uh, we just have a small presentation to make, and that's to um, Kevin Calhoun, because Kevin officially retired this past week from MB Power. And for the record, this is not a gift. This is just continuing your education, okay? And so, congratulations, Kevin. That's great. And uh, one of the main things for Kevin uh, retiring when he did is really to serve the church more and to help as we uh, church plant and things like that. So now he's full-time without getting paid um, as usual, uh, just as before. So uh, anyways, congrats, Kevin. So wonderful. We want to thank you. Yes, you can give him a hand. Mm -hmm. All right, well, uh, quickly, we're going to jump right into things, and uh, we've been going through the book of Matthew, and we've been looking at the life of Jesus, and we've been examining what it is to be a follower of Jesus, and so we're going to continue in the teachings of Jesus, and so let's read our passage here this morning. We're going to continue from Matthew chapter 6, and we'll start off, we looked at some of these things a couple of weeks ago, but to refresh our memory and to go right into today's teaching, that this is Jesus' teaching, and he says to his followers, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness." If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, this is where we pick it up from last time. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these." But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, or the pagans, some translations, seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Okay, so lots to cover in there. And again, just a quick review how we're talking about as a follower of Jesus, when we, as everything that we've been singing about in our songs this morning, as Gary's been explaining through our worship time, when we seek to put Jesus first as Lord of our life, and we're not number one anymore, Jesus is then he invites us to follow him. And he talks about how really he's the king of his kingdom and how that we need to learn about if we're part of his kingdom, what is his kingdom like? And as we looked at the things over the last couple of weeks, 
And he says, as you pray and as you fast and as you give, all these things to do with money and things like that, we realize that God's concerned about two things. He's concerned about our heart. He wants to know, and he's concerned about the motives we have for giving. And if it's the wrong motives, God knows that. And so there's a frightening part to that, but there's an encouraging part. When we give, and maybe you're like, man, we don't have any money, but we give a little bit and we want to give more. God knows that as well. And so he's concerned about our motives, and he's also concerned about our outward behavior. So because God is holy, as we've been singing about, and we want to line up with what pleases God. And so that's one of the things we've been looking at. We've also seen that our Father in heaven, okay, he rewards those things that maybe a lot of times people on earth don't think much of. So he says, when you pray, when you give in secret, when you help other people out, maybe no one else sees it. It will never be front page news. He sees it, and he gives reward. And that encourages us on to be able to continue to please and to obey God. And as Brent did such a great job just before Christmas, understanding how Jesus is central to all of that he is Emmanuel, God, with us. And we're going to expound upon that again this morning, about he is our model and our example, and he empowers us. And today we come back to one of those fundamental questions. Is who do we serve? And over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at some of the big ones in our life, and that nothing's changed 2,000 years later. And Jesus warns us about some of the big things that can become little g, but God's, in our life. Who do we serve? Who do we trust? Where do we put our hope? All those things that are either in God or they're in something else. And he talked about different things. He said pride is one of them. And for us who consider ourselves Christians, that, he even warns us. He says you can be even prideful about your religion. And he warns us. And he says you can be so proud about how good you think you are and that you're better than everyone else and that you flaunt your good works in order to puff yourself up. And she's saying, ah, That's not the right thing. Be careful. That can happen. And he warned against that. He warned against pride in the things that we do and the things that we accumulate. And that gets into things of greed, how we always want more. And sometimes we hoard things because we don't want anyone to take away, which leads into the whole thing of materialism and gathering possessions and putting our identity and our hope and our trust. And these things can be so sneaky that we can just think, if I just had a little bit more, then I would be happy. And that's the world we live in today. If I just had this, then I'd be happy. Now, Jesus adds one more thing (laughs) into the mix. And it's very appropriate for the beginning of a new year. He says, you can be careful about pride and about wealth and possessions and materialism, all these things. And then he says, and I'm going to add one more thing to it that can become a god in your life, that you can actually bow down to and serve, and this can control your life, and it starts with the letter W, and it's worry. And it's interesting that Jesus connects worry here to money. Because what are the things we worry about a lot, okay? You don't have to just be in middle school or high school to be worried about the clothes that you wear, okay? And if we admit it, we worry about things like that. And we worry about food and drink and we worry about all these different things. And a lot of times we worry because we don't have enough money, and we don't know how we're going to make ends meet, and so that becomes such a focal point. Other times, we have our money, and we worry about it because we don't want to lose it. We don't want it to be stolen, or we want to add to it. And Jesus is saying, this can become the central focus of your life. And the good news is, we don't have to let pride, or wealth, or materialism, or possessions, or worry rule our lives. And that's what we want to take a look at more this morning. And as we start a new year, 
How many people, if you're honest, are worried about something into this new year? You're allowed to put your hands up. Okay? Some people got both hands. <laughs> you start a new year, man, it's like, oh man, I'm worried about, sometimes you're worried about the things that have already happened in the past. You're worried about maybe the things in the future. Us parents up here this morning, I'm sure we're worried about, man, how am I going to raise these kids? How am I going to provide for them? I hope I do a good job. We're worried about finances. We're worried about the economy. We're worried about our health. We're worried about the future. All these things. We're worried, worried, worried. So let's take a look at some of these things. And really what worry comes down to, just as sort of a headline, is really it's a matter of trust. Is where do we put our trust in all of these things? Past, present, and future. And I just want to talk just briefly a little bit about some things about worry. And we can see some things that uh, kind of break it down a little bit. Is that worry, first of all, it's very unhealthy. <laughs> so you can look about it and our stats. I started to do some of the stats on worry. I just got bombarded. There's so many out there. Basically, bottom line is to state the obvious, worry is very unhealthy. Worry can kill you. It will kill you. It affects you physically. It takes away your energy. It takes away you can't sleep at night. People get ulcers. It affects your digestive system. Like stress, worry, anxiety, it's unhealthy. Okay, it affects you emotionally. Okay, you can be, I mean, the whole, a lot of the whole pharmaceutical setup is built on drugs to deal with worry and anxiety. Now hear me. I'm not saying that you should never take drugs, so let's just put that in there. There's some things that an appropriate way, but you think you get the overall gist of it is that anxiety is a huge problem. It affects us socially. Okay, we can get withdrawn, we can isolate ourselves, we can remove ourselves from different things. There's all kinds of things, and it affects us spiritually. We can be so focused on what we don't have or what we're worried about or what we're anxious about or what we think will happen or won't happen that we lose sight of God. And we lose the peace that God wants to have in our relationship. We lose joy in living. I don't think I have to convince you that worry is unhealthy. But those are just some things to hit. Jesus also says worry is really, it's unnecessary. Because when Jesus says and he's commanding us not to worry, okay? He's not saying, okay, just throw your hands up and just forget about it, be apathetic, be lazy, don't work, you know, it's the whole don't worry, be happy sort of thing. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, look at the birds. And if you ever, okay, Gary can attest to this as a bird watcher, okay, birds, I'm, I'm building you up. I'm saying this is a good thing. You can ask Gary as an expert in observing birds, With no judgment in that statement. (laughs) Gary can tell you, as you observe birds, guess what? They work hard. So Jesus isn't saying, don't work hard. He's saying this, as you work hard, don't worry. There's a big difference. So as God's commanded us to work, it's part of how we're made. God works. He created So the working part is not the issue. We're made to work. And you can work. You can work hard. You can, in a good way, be proud of your work. So when Jesus says, don't worry, don't be anxious, he's not saying, hey, just kick back and relax and someone else will take care of you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, look at the birds 
of the air. They work hard, but they don't worry. Okay, and Jesus is saying we can learn from this. Okay? Worry is really unnecessary. Nobody works harder than the birds, but even they don't worry. And he's saying, as an example, if God provides generally for the birds of the air, he's saying, you, as human beings, men and women, you're made in the image of God, that you're created, and a lot of people will get mad at me for saying this, you're created higher than the birds and the animals. Okay? So hear me out on this. So we're to take care of the environment, so we're to treat animals well, but don't be fooled into thinking that animals are equal with humans. They're not. They're God's creation, absolutely. We take good care of them, treat them right, all those things. But folks, the bottom line is, humans are more important than animals. And Jesus is saying, you're made in God's image. Okay? And he sent his son, as we observed at Christmas, okay? he came to save you from your sins, the things that separate you from God, so that you can be brought back into relationship, how you were supposed to be, with God, who's not only your creator, but he's also your father. And he's saying, if God cares for the birds and the animals and he provides in his common grace to everyone, how much more is he going to provide for you as sons and daughters with a good father? So worry is unnecessary because God says he will provide. And that's the point he's getting to. Jesus is just flat out saying worry is useless. He's saying, how is worrying, and depends which translation you have, going to add even a single hour, even a single minute to your life? And some translations is, how, how are you going to grow? How is it going to give you any more? You're going to grow a few inches? Because if this was true, I would have worried a lot. Because if I could have grown, it would have helped me in my basketball days. Okay? If I'm like, if I just worry and stress out more, then it will increase my growth. It'll help me as a basketball player. Eh. Doesn't work that way. Worry really is useless, isn't it? Because how are you to know what's going to happen in the future? And how are you to know that the, the most of the things you worry about probably aren't even ever going to come true? It's a waste of time and energy. He's saying worry is really useless. And as I mentioned, you know what? You can worry about the past. And Jesus has come to deal with our past so that we don't have to worry about it anymore. And I deal with people all the time who are locked up and bound and stressed out and anxious about things that either they've done in the past or things that have been done to them in the past. And the good news of Jesus, he's come to deal with those things. He's come and he's made a way for us to be forgiven. So the things that we've done wrong, that maybe we're ashamed of, that maybe we feel like, oh man, I could never forgive myself for that. If God can forgive you, you can forgive yourself. So he's come to deal with your past, and he's come to heal you up from the wrongs done to you from your past that maybe you're anxious or stressed out or consumed with. God's come to bring healing through his son, Jesus Christ. Present day, he wants you to replace worry with prayer and obedience and worship. So those things, sometimes you can't get them. Man, I'm worried about my kids and going back to school and all these different changes. You can't. That's understandable. But what do you do with it? It's like, God, I just pray now 
God, would you make a way? Would you provide a friend for my child? God, would you make a way? I'm going to keep worshiping you. I'm going to keep trusting you. Okay? That's the difference. Worry is useless. We replace it, as we're going to see, with other good things. And folks, how, we can't worry about the future. <laughs> how many of us can predict the future? We can't chart the course of history. Okay? And we see this. Worry is blinding. Worry is like a fog. Okay, it rolls in and it clouds over everything. And what does worry and anxiety do the most? It's this. It blinds you from God. It gets your eyes off of God. So worry comes in and it blinds us from recognizing God's goodness in the past. So how many times are we commanded as Christians to be thankful? Why? Because it reminds us of who God is. So we go over. Worry comes in and it cuts us off. It blinds us from the faithfulness of God. It blinds us from the goodness of God. It blinds us from the promises of God. So, you can see why worry is a big deal and why Jesus talks directly at it. Folks, worry can be our God if we let it. Okay? It is unhealthy. It's unnecessary. It's useless. It's blinding. And Jesus even talks about the flowers. And he says, animals are one thing. Flowers, they're here even less time than the animals. And God's saying, hey, I allow a flower to come up and it is stunning and beautiful and at peace and it's totally dependent upon the environment around it. And it's here today and gone tomorrow. He's saying, hey, I love you and I want to take care of you more than just a flower. That should get our attention. That cures us from the blindness. And the bottom line is this. Worry equals not believe in God. Worry is essentially a failure to trust God. And if we can phrase it that way, then that can wake us up sometimes. Because a lot of us, we would never define worry as not believe in God. We would rationalize it. We would justify it. We would say it has nothing to do with God. But fundamentally, worry is this. It's not believing God. D.A. Carson, in his commentary on Matthew, he says this, the root of anxiety is unbelief. The root of anxiety is unbelief. Now the good news is, if you can diagnose the problem, then you can see what the solution is. And Jesus begins to turn us not just pointing out all the things that are wrong with worry and stress and all these things. He begins to say, the cure is this. The cure to worry is to get to know God better. He's saying, if you want to know, and that's what he's trying to say. He's saying, hey, birds, flowers, all that. The most important thing is you've got to know God as your father. And he's saying the solution is, is not to just focus on the worry. It's to turn your gaze and to focus on who God is. And so the challenge for us 2,000 years later is the same thing. Do we know who God really is? And we've been learning through our songs here this morning. We're declaring about the character and the nature and the truth of who God is. And so the cure is this, folks. And this is something we can all start out together in a new year understanding this that we need to grow in our knowledge and understanding and our experience of who God is. So the challenge is this. 
is what are we going to read this year? So I'm not going to put any more New Year's resolutions or any more guilt trips. This message is for any day of the year. But it's a good time and opportunity to say, as you think about your year coming up, what are you going to read this year? So there's one challenge. And can I recommend some things to you? Okay. Why don't you, for maybe for the first time ever, read and study from a theology book this year? Okay. Now, some of the professors and all have done a great job because you know what they've done? They've helped us out, the lay people out. They've put them from like a big book like that. Some of them are only like that. Okay? In bite-sized chunks, you can take one, maybe by Grudem or Carson. There's all, we can give you all kinds of recommendations. And you can study the character and the attributes of God. Because theology is simply this. It's knowing God. It's to study God. And that should be our primary goal in life. That's what we were created for. Don't, it doesn't have to scare you away, okay? We can take, you can study some ones like this. I recommend it all the time, okay? Some of the classics in the last 30, 40, 50 years in Christianity. Knowing God, J.I. Packer, excellent book. Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis. Read it over again. I've got one just from the past year. I'm on my third time through from Tim Keller out of New York called King's Cross, all about the life of Jesus Christ in history. Excellent, excellent book. We can help you out with some recommendations. Now, but here's the one I want to recommend the most. The Bible. So you can skip all those other ones, and you can go directly to this one, okay? The Bible. Now, let me just whet your appetite a little bit, okay? Because, again, you can say, okay, I don't want to worry, but then how do I stop worrying? You need to replace it with the Word of God. You need to replace it with truth about who God is. And then the next step is you actually have to believe what you read. So I love some of the lyrics to that song today about, God, you are who you say you are. I was like, yes. But we've got to know who you say you are. So let me just read, just to whet your appetite, I'll just give you, these are a few free ones, okay? You can write these ones down. You can come back to them and look at them more, okay? I think, Andrew, I think you read this one out a couple weeks ago on a Sunday morning. This is Psalm 103, one of my favorite. Okay, just listen to this. Understanding and understanding more about the character and nature of God. David writes this. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise this holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So you're, you're speaking truth to yourself. You're getting yourself attention, okay? It says, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. So, okay, so you can be praying whatever you land on this week about the idol no more and all that. You can pray this, and you can declare it out. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. It's biblical. It's right in there. You can begin to pray into it. He made known his way to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Boy, do we ever need to hear that over. I need to hear that over and over again. He will not always accuse. He will not, nor will he harbor his anger forever. So that's pointing towards Jesus coming. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Hallelujah. 
He does not treat me as my sins deserve or repay me according to my iniquity. Hallelujah. That is good news. Again, all foreshadowing Jesus who's going to pay the price for my sin. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Another word for fear is no. For those who know him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, who know him, and his righteousness with their children's children. With those who keep his covenant, remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you as angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, you who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you as servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I can guarantee, I can guarantee, as you read and you meditate and you dwell and you chew on and you go over, you will be changed. That whatever you were worried about before will decrease and your faith and your trust in God will increase. But here's the challenge. And our crazy, super fast, everything coming at you 100 miles an hour, you have to make the choice to stop and to open up the Word of God and to clear your mind and to actually read it out and think and meditate and dwell and pray and go over. And you have to let this sink in and you've got to let it marinate in you so that it changes your way of thinking. It changes even your mood and your emotions. That then affects your will. And that's replacing worry with the truth of who God is. And we begin to look at his character. We haven't even got into his promises yet. Okay, so you can read Romans 8. We don't have time today. Brent read it out a couple weeks ago about when he was saying about Jesus, Emmanuel, incarnate. God is for us. How do we know God's for us? He sent his son, Jesus Christ. That's his greatest demonstration that God is for us. Okay, so you can read Romans 8 and you can understand all these things. If God sent his son, how is he not going to give you even more things? When you were his enemy, he sent his best. Now that you're his child, how much more? Now we know that Jesus is actually praying and interceding for us. Okay? That should bring encouragement. Jesus is saying, you don't have to be stressed out and worried about all these things. Because I'm praying for you. I'm with you. I've already shown you. I've proven to you. And we read this. Paul got it. We read this from Philippians. I will read this one out. This is Philippians 4.4. And you'll start to pick up some themes. Paul says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. So that's like a call to worship. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
So, do we pray in order to show off to God that we are good? God already loves us. And if we're in Christ, He already accepts us. We don't have to worry about doing enough good for Him to like us. He already likes us out of His mercy and His love. And we get invited to enter in to worship Him and to rejoice in Him. And in everything, we don't have to be anxious, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we can bring our requests to God. Folks, that's why we pray every Sunday night as a church. That's our release valve of stress and anxiety. Ah, we're freaking out about the budget. Let's pray. Let's worship God. Let's, we're freaking out about everything else going on in the world. Let's get together and pray. Let's worship God. Let's remember. Let's be thankful because there's a promise that comes as we pray and seek God together. What's the promise? If you do this, then it says this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. You don't even have to have it all figured out about how God's going to provide in the future. His peace comes. It transcends all understanding, and it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Folks, that's good news. So you don't have to read the latest magazine to figure out what the best thing to do in 2013 is, that if you read the same magazine from 1998, it's telling you the exact same thing. Okay? There's nothing new under the sun. And Jesus is saying, don't worry about clothes and food, all these things. Yes, work hard, but don't let that become the center of your life. Instead, replace it with knowing God. Replace it with knowing your Father in heaven who loves you. Replace it with knowing Jesus, my son. Because Jesus said, if you know me, then you know the Father. Replace it with worship to God. Replace it with studying God's word. Replace it with prayer and seeking God. And as you do those things, the peace of God is going to flood your heart, your heart and your mind. And it's going to guard it against all the things that come against it. And the good news gets even better is this. Okay, and we'll close on this. The good news about a relationship with Jesus Christ is even if your worst fears come true. So you might worry about something, and folks, we deal with this all the time. You might be anxious about something. I'm stressed out. I'm worried about losing my job. And we pray, and we pray in our life groups, and we pray, and God's going to provide and we believe all those things, and you lose your job. You're stressed out. You're worried about, oh, man, if I get sick, I don't know what I'd ever do. And you pray, and you're like, God, please protect me and everything. And you eat all the right foods, and you exercise, you do all these things, and you find out you've got cancer. You're praying for a loved one. They're going through something. Okay, maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's an illness, and you're believing God, and you're asking for a miracle, and you're believing God, and you've got prophetic words, and you're like, God, I believe you, and I'm trusting you, and I've got faith and hope and all these things, and God, I'm believing you for a miracle, and the person dies. And you can go through all the scenarios that you might get stressed out about and anxious and worry, which are all legitimate, okay? So it's not, again, that we're stick our heads in the sand and we ignore life. No, we're aware of all, we're acutely aware of all the things that we can be stressed out and anxious about. And the good news is, even if our fears come true, even as we study God's word and we pray, and even though we have peace 
and all these things. We live in a fallen world where bad things still happen. Bad things happen to good people. People get sick. People die. It's the world we live in despite our prayers and asking for heaven to come on earth. And folks, my one word of encouragement to you today, even if your fears come true, is that our example is Jesus Christ. And all the things okay, that have happened to us and will happen to us happen to Jesus. And if you just stop for a minute and you think about the life of Jesus and him talking about clothes and food and all these things, and God knows what your needs is and your Father will provide, guess who experienced being hungry? He went 40 days. Guess who experienced being naked as he hung on a cross with no clothing? Jesus said, I've got no place to lay my head. I don't have any shelter. I'm just out here on my own. Jesus experienced betrayal. Jesus experienced, okay, all these things that we think, oh, if that ever happened to me, that would just crush me. It would do me in. Jesus nails, pounded into, he experienced pain and turmoil, and suffering. Jesus experienced all those things. He even tasted death on a cross. But here's the thing. Through all of that, he never stopped trusting his Father in heaven. He never stopped believing that even though all these things God's allowing, and all these things are happening, that they must be, and they will be, used for God's purposes and God's glory and for good. And God is sovereign, and he allows these things to happen. And our model and our example, even when the worst things happen that we fear and we stress out about and we have anxious thoughts about and that can cripple us and paralyze us, even if those things happen, Jesus is our model and our example and our enablement to say, Father, I still trust you because we've got a bigger view on life. And I don't know if you noticed it or not, but I think almost every song we sang this morning had to it a future part, that Jesus is coming again. That there is an afterlife. There is life beyond here on planet Earth. There is such a thing as eternal life. And Jesus knew through it all, I can trust my Father because this is not the end. So if you lose your job, can I just say to you this morning, okay, you might lose your house and all those things, which are terrible things, don't get me wrong, but can I just say this? It's not the end. Okay, if you get sick, it's not the end. I can say confidently here this morning, if you died tomorrow, it is not the end. And Christianity is more than just a worldview or a philosophy here on planet Earth. It is an absolute belief that God is real, that there is an afterlife, there's a heaven and a hell, and God in his great mercy has sent his son Jesus, who we've just celebrated at Christmas. That's why Christmas is such a big deal. Because the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You might even see it watching the football game this afternoon, the big John 3.16 banner behind the net. It's full of truth. That folks, we don't even have to fear dying, which is probably one of the biggest things we fear. 
because we have an assurance of a cornerstone that we're secure in our knowledge that even though this body is fading away every day and bad things happen, okay, my hope is secure in the knowledge that I'm going to see as I put my faith in Jesus Christ, my Father in heaven face to face. That I'm going to live forever in his presence. That I'll never have to worry about another thing again. And folks, that hope is available to us. Not just in heaven. That hope, God, Jesus wants that hope to resonate and for us to live in that hope every single day in every circumstance of life. So as we close this morning, okay, the challenge for 2013 is every single day, who are we going to serve? Are we going to bow down to fear, stress, anxiety, worry, all those things, which again are real, okay? Some of them might be perceived, but a lot of times we have real things to worry about. It's not that maybe our circumstances will change, but our perspective on those circumstances. Jesus says, you turn your head from worry and anxiety to you replace it with the knowledge of who God is. You replace it with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You replace it with worship to not to worry and bowing down, but worship to our Father who loves us and cares for us, who's demonstrated his love for us in his son, Jesus Christ, his son who is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding and praying for us now. Jesus is our example. Even when bad things happened, he trusted his Father. And that's the challenge and the opportunity for each of us here today as we have the same ability and opportunity to respond to Jesus, to say, I'm going to put my trust in Jesus Christ. I'm going to, he is everything. That he's the one who gives me access to my Father in heaven. That I'm going to trust him. That I'm not going to worry about these things. I'm going to continue to worship and to pray and to know my God. And folks, you will sleep well at night. Because we have a secure hope for today and for eternity. Let me just lead us in a prayer as we draw things to a close. Okay. 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 Just as we do, I just think, okay, this is one of those messages, folks, you're going to have to uh, think about more this week. Okay? So you're, you and your life groups this week, okay, you can be open and honest. Okay? For many of you, Andrew, I was thinking of you this week, you guys going to Charlottetown and all that, you're going to have lots of things to worry about. <laughs> Okay? And again, it's not that they're not real, but that can't be the focal point. Okay? So for many of us here, this is a challenging message, but it's a hopeful message. You do not have to live any longer in the grips of worry and anxiety. Hallelujah. Jesus has come to set you free to worship and to walk with him. I'm sorry, I skipped ahead. Let me just go to my last slide before I pray. Because I think, okay, you can be blessed. I didn't even get to the second point, okay? So we're going to just skip through. uh, You can be really, really thankful that um, we're closing things down here, okay? Let me just end with this quote from Tim Keller. Because as I was rereading again this week, okay, I felt, I mean, really, this is for all of us, but I really felt specifically that for many of you, this is going to stir you 
this week. And this is from Tim Keller, the book I recommend it. He says, Jesus says, follow me. I'm going to take you on a journey, and I don't want you to turn to the left or to the right. I want you to put me first. I want you to keep trusting me, to stick with me, not turn back, not give up, turn to me, and all the disappointments and injustices that will happen to you. I'm going to take you places that will make you say, why in the world are you taking me there? Even then, I want you to trust me. And I believe that's for our church as well. Okay, so if you're able, let's stand. Let's pray into this as we close. And then you can grab a cup of coffee. Lord Jesus, we address you today that as our Lord and Savior, that you are ruler over all things. And we just come to you humbly today, and we say that we want to follow you in light of your great mercy and your call for us to come to you. And Lord, I want to pray today, Lord, for maybe those who don't know you personally. Lord, I pray even this morning that you have stirred and provoked things, Lord, that might make people want to investigate you more and to learn more about you and about what you've done in the life of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I believe there's many people here today, Lord, who are in the grip of fear and anxiety and worry about the past and about the present and about the future. And Jesus, we just proclaim freedom today, that there's freedom in following you. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, I pray for people, for chains to fall off today in hearing the truth of your word preached. Lord, I pray for specific individuals, Lord, who this year, Lord, that you are, as they walk with you are going to go to places they never thought they would go. And Lord, I pray for courage. Lord, I pray for that focus, Lord, to keep their eyes fixed on you. Lord, I pray for us as a church. Lord, as you call us into new places and new areas and new things, Lord, that we would trust you. Lord, most of the time we have more questions than we do answers. (laughs) But we say we trust you. So Lord, I pray this morning, by the power of your Holy Spirit and your word, would you transform us to be more like Jesus. And we thank you that he's not only our example, he lives today. He empowers us to follow hard after him. Lord Jesus, we submit to you. And we ask in this new year, God, individually and corporately, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray to your glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to close there as our time's gone.